He might actually be the most derivative one of all. I mean, Christ, the same house. Maybe so. But you forgot the first rule of surviving a stab movie. Never answer the... I'm bored. Wait! Welcome back to Horror Queers. We're talking Elton John is gay. We're talking See Paris Die. And we're talking Twincest. And I'm Joe. And I'm Trace. And we're talking I am being careful. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Everyone, we are discussing Joma Colette Sarah's 2005 film House of Wax, which is a quote-unquote remake of the 1953 Vincent Price film House of Wax, which was itself a remake of 1933's Mystery of the Wax Museum. Um, actually, Trace pushes glasses up nose. Did you know it's not really a Hustle Blast remake? <laughs> it's like a Motel Hell remake. Motel Hell, it's Tourist Trap. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, everyone, we're getting this out of the way right now. So there is a difference. Because yes, every, so many reviews at the time, and especially if it was written by a horror fan, pointed out that this is not really a remake of House of Wax. It is a remake of Tourist Trap. And there is a yep. difference between having a conversation and be like, oh, well, did you know this is actually more of a Tourist Trap remake than it is a uh, House of Wax remake? And mm -hmm. as you so eloquently put, pushes glasses up, well, actually, it's a Tourist Trap remake. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like a lot of the conversations that we've had about this movie over the last couple of years, like, it has changed. I feel like people have come back around yep. on it. But I remember initially people were very down on this movie, and I think that was one of the ways that we were dismissive of it as a culture the funny thing is is that this is also still very clearly a remake of the original house of wax like if you've seen it the storyline of people being killed and covered in wax is is very firmly there so it's not as though it's not a house of wax remake it just yes also happens to have those tourist trap elements so yeah unfortunately i was not able to watch the original house of wax i've never seen it but i know yeah mm -hmm. there is that element there but i guess maybe the thing is that tourist trap is more of a slasher film than house mm -hmm. of wax is yeah, there's a weird period romanticism to the original film. Like, to me, it almost plays like a Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I've seen, like, the end of it, because doesn't he get, like, thrown into acid at the end or something? Uh, I... Are you confusing it with House on Haunted Hill? <laughs> oh, shit. Maybe, oh, God. <laughs> Which I did. I did watch that original before we covered the remake. Um, Man, Dark Castle, really going through those remakes, huh? Oh, sure. This was their bread and butter back in the day, baby. I uh, I have so many. So, yes, I love this movie. I saw mm -hmm. this twice in theaters. Oh, okay. I only saw it the one time, but go on. Uh, it, no, it's just, um, it's such an interesting time capsule of 2005. Yes. And we'll talk about the reception <laughs> of this film and, and why it did not do well. Although, fun fact, it made its money back on home video sales. Oh, really? Yeah, because I see a bunch of people, you know, if you kind of look at articles from not quite back in the day, but I was researching the See Paris Die controversy. Right. And a lot of films would say it made 70 million on a 40 million dollar production. And I was like, folks, that's not good. Like, yeah. that's not a good number. It's also worldwide. Like, domestically, right. this movie made $32 million on a $40 yeah. million dollar budget. And Oof. while, yes, you can be like, oh, well, the international made up for it, they still have to spend more money to put this movie out in other countries. So Yeah. And a lot of the times when you're releasing a film internationally, it may not always be the same distributor. So that sometimes that's like, oh, that's somebody else's money. The people who were bankrolling it didn't get that. Well, and that's the thing, too. I think a lot of the marketing campaign for this movie, and we'll talk about it 
it more in a bit, but it's it was very much pandering to the youth of America, thinking they would turn out for a certain thing, and they did mm-hmm. not. No. None of the marketing was actually, like, showcasing the film itself, except for no. the trailer. <laughs> it, it literally is the See Paris Die show, which is a hell of a risky venture i mean i've got some some details about why paris was so hot at the time but really it i think it dismisses the quality of the film and everything else it's doing to say really the only reason people would come to this movie is so that they can see an heiress get killed which and i I will confess i'm going to put shame on myself like i Mm -hmm. absolutely like i wanted to see it anyway because i was like oh i i I love this cast of people like these people were hot at the time oh so hot still are hot but But that being said did i absolutely go to the theater to see paris Mm -hmm. die and then me and my friends i'm 16 at the time all yelled that's hot when she died Yes, and I'm very embarrassed by that. (laughs) I mean, here's the thing. We can put it into a bit... I I think you even said it's a bit of a time bubble, a time capsule. We were doing things very differently with our approaches to celebrity dumb and social media influencers at the time. I think as a culture, we have grown and maybe come to appreciate that we were all pretty shitty to a certain group of people back then very much so although actually you know, let's just jump into it okay so okay i i don't have a lot of production history because here's the thing all right this movie was filmed at warner brothers movie world in australia in may mm-hmm. of 2004 um you know they, they built this whole town i mean again everyone this is a 40 million dollar it's a lot of money on a slasher holy shit what this is so this script is pretty basic i think the Mm -hmm. script is fine the dialogue is mad the character work is mad but (laughs) but 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 what we have here is a pretty silly dumb 80s slasher movie that dark Mm -hmm. castle said here's 40 million dollars here's a really good stylish director Mm -hmm. do something with it and they made something i will give it this though the reviews at the time were mostly negative but right even the bad ones would at least come Ended the production design on this film i mean when you go into a dark castle film yes this is a little past the heyday when we were doing 13 ghosts when we were doing house on haunted hill like it's yeah. coming in the back part of dark castle but the reality is is for me at the time the selling feature of going to these was exquisite production and set design i mean there there are things that i noticed in this watch because the, the camera doesn't focus on everything but it's whenever um john abraham's dalton dies and he falls down that stairwell mm-hmm. and you can see faces of victims in yeah. the walls i think that is so cool <laughs> oh it's wild the amount of time and attention to detail that they were putting into these sets is immaculate and then you think about this could have been the second kick at a can because we burned down most of this yes 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 so that's the other thing too yeah so in january of 2007 oh, sorry, i'm sorry during the filming of this movie uh, the entire not the set the studio burned yeah. down <laughs> wild absolutely wild i was trying to figure out what so basically it's because the, the they had like they use all the precautions the problem is that because they have this big house and it's two stories the fake wax that was melting from the top floor was leaking onto the fire retardant things on the first floor oops which then caused the fire and so yeah like one of the sets that took two weeks to rebuild which is fine but the other one was like 10 to 12 weeks to rebuild so mm-hmm. Mm. you know they did a lawsuit but here honestly that's not even the most fascinating thing about this production what is the most <laughs> fascinating thing about this production joe you pointed this out to me and suggested that i watch it and i did last night and okay it <laughs> the month before this movie came out mtv released a documentary series called movie life 
House of Wax. And it's yep. basically a reality television version documenting the production of this film from the first day of set to the marketing blitz. And yes. It's five, everyone, it's five episodes, it's on YouTube. You can literally find a clip, we'll link to it in the show notes. It's an hour mm-hmm. and 45 minutes, but... um, Yeah, about that. It's, you know, this time period, the peak of the reality TV era. And yes. while I would have appreciated just a straightforward documentary about the production of this film, mm-hmm. you can see the influences of reality TV because they are trying to make drama out of everything in oh this thing. Oh my god, it, it's so unscripted in quotation marks it feels scripted y'all there's a whole bit the first episode chad michael murray is he brings his new puppy that he spent ten thousand dollars on to australia (gasps) oh my god and they show him going to the vet and the vet's like "Uh uh-oh he only has one testicle and they stretch out this ordeal with chad michael murray being upset about his dog's one testicle for three episodes <laughs> mm-hmm. it is a whole to do well and like i don't think alicia cuthbert brought any drama and so in, in her first scene they try to make her look kind of like a bitch by have by getting really picky about her wardrobe mm-hmm. yeah she comes in she's there later than everybody else like oh she's not bonding with the rest of the cast and she's being a diva about the costume fitting. Yes. what a c word well, and she was only late because production on 24 ran longer than expected <laughs> mm-hmm. oh it is wild it is fascinating you are getting little glimpses like interesting kernels about the actual production but i will say trace and you you confirm this to me so i feel validated Mm -hmm. it makes all of these people look like rich entitled fuckwads yes and before i even get to that part of it just really quick um robert richard is not in this documentary no and it is embarrassing (laughs) because this cast is white very white and but i'm like well was he just did they film all of his scenes like solo was he not there with any of them when they filmed this like he's i'm literally worried that they were like thank you for your service we will not be needing you because you're not famous enough i I think that's exactly what it was and to be fair i'm embarrassed i I don't you probably didn't watch this because you're too old but like i know robert richard from this nickelodeon show called cousin skeeter from like i want to say the late 90s it's basically it's him and it was a family show a black family actually so obviously Mm -hmm. like you know it was progressive i guess for the time for kids tv but um he just has a puppet that he talks to like like one of those like uh sesame street puppets but it's a black male puppet named skeeter (laughs) nice okay cool but yeah no um i I will say uh, cuthbert comes across fine Mm-hmm. Paris Hilton comes across like Paris Hilton, although there is a really sweet moment where she goes and surprises some girl's birthday party. Um, but it's a Paris Hilton themed birthday party for this 13 year old <sighs> so girl. Weird. And I think around this time is when South Park did the stupid spoiled whore video where they spoof Paris Hilton and like girls wanting to be whores because of her. And so mm. it's just that time period. Jared Padalecki actually comes off the best out of all this group. And then. Yeah, because he doesn't engage in any of the drama. No, no. And he's just like, honestly, you can tell he's coming off of gilmore girls i think by this point he was about to start supernatural right and he just seems really happy to be there yeah he's like i'm working i'm in australia happy to be here but chad michael oh my god the worst i i would be embarrassed if i were him i would want this wiped from the face of the earth i would not want anyone to see this the second episode is all about him like wanting to talk to his dad because he's going to propose to his then girlfriend sophia bush and Mm -hmm. they videotape him proposing to her and it's it's Mm really so much of this documentary is cringe and this is the bulk of it yeah i think he gets the villain edit whether he knows it or not (laughs) 
he comes across like okay I, he comes across like when justin bieber was try was very much appropriating black culture he oh, kind boy. of comes across like that in this documentary <laughs> Yeah. And folks, if you're wondering why we're spending a bunch of time on this, it's because it really does help to contextualize where we were at when this film came out. Like, this to me feels like the most deliberately cast of maybe any of these remake slash yeah. team to film slasher films. Like, it very much was who is hot right now, literally, with Paris Hilton. Mm hmm. And let's get them in this movie, and then we just also happen to make a movie about it. Well, that's the thing. I never really put this in the post-Scream slasher boom, because it's not a very... It's not meta. It's not self-aware. Right. But this is Dark Castle's first slasher movie, so I wonder if they just got late to the game in the whole, oh, hot CW teen actors mm -hmm. in a slasher movie. Let's do it. Here's $40 million. Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so bringing in again to the time of the, to the time of this, you know, you already mentioned the See Paris Die marketing campaign, and that is what this was. So leading up to the film's release, you know, we had See Paris Die everywhere. There were t-shirts made, there were stickers on store walls, and spoiling the movie, I can't I can't imagine something like this would happen nowadays. <laughs> no. Here's the thing. I feel like we look back on this and similar to what you said Chad Michael Murray should be doing, we should want to be very embarrassed and cringe about this because it is deeply misogynistic. We can find evidence that at the time Paris says she's okay with this, and she very clearly will later come to regret that because I think she realizes, oh, I was being taken advantage of, and it's not okay. So here's the thing, though. I think she always knew that. And y'all, my two cents on Paris Hilton. Um, did you ever watch The Simple Life, Joe? I watched the first season, and yes. actually, maybe I'm I'm going to take one quick sidestep just to mm -hmm. contextualize. If people have forgotten what a fucking powerhouse she was back in 2005, this year alone, she starred in the infamous commercial for Carl's Jr. Oh, yeah. She completed the third season of The Simple Life. She released her second book, Your Heiress Diary, Confess It All to Me. She introduced a new perfume, Just Me, and she also hosted Saturday Night Live. She's a fucking working girl, ladies and gentlemen. She really is. And I, honestly, The Simple Life, I think I've only seen the first season and maybe season and a half. Um, mm -hmm. That is some of the funniest TV show oh my God. I've ever seen in my life. Like, <laughs> it was amazing. I loved it. So I feel like I watched it with my parents. I did, no, I did too. And we died. It's died. hilarious. But everyone, I want, I want you to all know, this is a front. <laughs> A facade that Paris Hilton puts mm -hmm. on. She is a very, very smart woman. Now she's a very successful businesswoman. And yes, she's a Nepo baby. She's great granddaughter of like the Hilton. Who like isn't blah, blah, blah. at this point? Move on. People. Move on. But I will say this: so I watched this Netflix documentary, The American Meme. It was from 2019, and it's not really about Hilton. It's more so about viral stars like there's a vine star there's this mm -hmm. uh the, the the fat jewish guy who was like you know caught for stealing jokes and it's all about how people can rise to fame on the internet sorry the fat jewish is his name i'm not just saying that <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> but it's but paris hilton's one of them it's about another rise to fame and how paris hilton really created this influencer culture like it's because mm -hmm. of her that this really exists and it does kind of delve into the dark aspects of it and how lonely these people are. I think it's a very good documentary. It's not great because okay. it doesn't delve far enough into the negative sides of it. Ah. But it does show Paris Hilton being real, which is something that mm. I don't see often enough from her in interviews. But mostly because whenever I see her get interviewed, she's doing it to promote something. And when she yes. is promoting something, she is on like a robot. But 
these documentaries where she can just be real, you see the real side of her. And you see her not come down on the marketing campaign for this movie, but you can see mm-hmm. in her eyes and her reaction where she's like, ooh, yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, also the right. poster of the movie is basically her with cum coming off of her face. Yeah, and we'll put a pin in that because I have more to say about how the mm-hmm. film is deliberately playing on her sex tape. But nevertheless, Hilton is smart. And mm-hmm. even in the, cause I was really excited when the Scream Factory Blu-ray of this came out last year. And, I, and there were two new interviews, one with Robert Richard, yay. Yay. And one with Paris Hilton. And I was so excited because I was like, oh, good. Like, are we going to get this really, like, is she going to just be candid and blah, blah, blah? No. Unfortunately, she is not. She is very much still in I'm promoting the movie mode, even though mm-hmm. it's been like 16, 17 years. But it's like, mm. it goes to show she will do whatever it takes what is for what's best for her product she is a marketing businesswoman she knows this shit and while i lament the fact that she will not be candid about this on this blu-ray mm-hmm. i'm happy that she is candid about it in other places you just have to seek them out yeah you gotta dig for it because most of the time she's on brand she's on message she's a professional yes yes and one thing that that documentary does a really good job of doing is there's a moment where she well it does talk about her sex tape and she talks about how she didn't leave her room for like weeks and months because she was so embarrassed and it really is upsetting to like watch her like she does start to cry oh and they're not crocodile tears but i just yeah i don't know i I, in the age of like the post britney spears stuff i'm surprised Mm -hmm. we haven't had the same kind of reaction to paris hilton i haven't seen her youtube documentary but i know that's mainly about her sexual assault that she uh, um endured when she was in i want to say like middle school like boarding school yeah i heard really good things about it so if you are looking for that more candid approach i think that's a good one to seek out as well yeah i just you know people always talk about this movie and they always bring her up and i'm like y'all like we are beyond this and clearly she's like you know done more in terms of like business and success than britney spears had and britney spears does have a more tragic story with her conservatorship but i do think that they Mm -hmm. belong in the same conversation i think that there's a number of people that we owe very public apologies to for the way that we treated them and guess what they're all female they're all (laughs) pop people starlets and so on like i know that people have heard this rant before but the way that society demonizes particularly sexually progressive women Mm -hmm. from the late 90s into well i'm not even going to say that it's ended but it feels like we're maybe more cognizant that we do it but yeah there was i think an entire generation of young women that we just basically slut shamed into really probably terrible mental health situations if we're being honest well and that's like you know she was a very sheltered girl for the first 15 years of her life her parents didn't let her do anything again this in her boarding school it wasn't until 2000 2001 when photographer david LaChapelle photographed her and her sister nikki for a cover of vanity fair but they were partially nude in it and then Mm. she became oh she's new york's it girl she's the party girl and then two years later we get a simple life there we go so Anyway, but that's my two cents on Hilton as a persona. We'll talk about the movie's treatment of her in a bit, but... Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, House of Wax released on May 5th, 2005, and opened in the number two slot with $12 million its opening weekend. Um, the number one film was Kingdom of Heaven, which oh. also opened that weekend, but I think it's kind of interesting that we have, in the first weekend of May 2005, like summer movie season, two R-rated films in the number two spots. <laughs> Right. One very clearly aimed at mature audiences, probably men. One aimed more at younger teens and just teens in general. 
Yeah, basically. But unfortunately, it did drop to number six its second week, and it just kept falling. It did stay in the number 10 spot for four weeks, uh, hmm. ending its domestic run with a gross of $32 million, made $36.7 internationally for a worldwide total of $68.7 million. Again, against that production budget of $40 million. But Right. You mentioned home sales. Do you know how much it made there? I do, Joe. It made $42 million in VHS and Uh, DVD sales. (laughs) Remember back in the day when it was like, oh, you could make a substantial amount of coin on physical. Well, and I can't help because I remember, I mean, I was a junior, maybe a sophomore in high school when this came out. And Mm -hmm. it was people like if you said you were going to see this movie, it was kind of people making fun of you because the only reason that you would want to go to this movie is for Paris Hilton to see her die. If you wanted to go Mm -hmm. see it just because that was stupid and silly. You know, we, we talk about dark days of horror in the early nineties, but I also feel like this was the saturation point. Like this is when we were in the thick of torture porn, this movie, I know that some people consider it part of that because it is particularly mean and cruel, but this was also starting that, that wave of remakes, right? So I think for a lot of people, this is a dark period for horror. So I'm kind of not surprised that people would flake on you if you said, I'm just interested in going to see a new horror film this weekend. Oh, I guess that's true because Texas Chainsaw Massacre is 03, and then mm-hmm. it takes about a year or two. And then like this year alone, we get like this, Amityville Horror, right. something else that comes out this year. I, I digress. Meh. Um, yeah, critics are not kind to this movie. On Rotten Tomatoes, we have an approval rating of 27% with an average oh rating of 4.4. I know! <laughs> I mean, folks, we're not going to pretend that this movie doesn't have its faults. We'll unpack it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, yes, we understand that's also an aggregate. But, like, that's a lot of rotten. Yeah, I mean, average score is 4.4 out of 10. So you're looking at, like, C, C- territory for this. I mm. This is a B, B plus for me. But I also love it in spite of its faults. That is fair. I think that's probably the best way to go into this. Yeah. Um, we've got a 41 out of 100 on Metacritic. CinemaScore audiences gave it a C plus, but Letterboxd users have at least given it a 5.8 out of 10. And I think hmm. that's where we're really starting to see. I mean, as you said, in the past uh, five, honestly, maybe even 10 years, because it's almost mm-hmm. been two decades since this came out. Oh my God, stop it. <laughs> people are rediscovering this movie or just yep. discovering it for the first time and being like, oh shit, like this is a, it's not lean, unfortunately, but it is a mean, um, <laughs> impeccably made slasher film. Absolutely. Yeah, I will say some little part of me dies every time I see that two hour runtime. You know, I will say at least, because I did check the time, it, the credits do roll at the hour 47 mark. Um, oh, well, I feel better. Okay. But we don't get, <laughs> like, Jared Padalecki doesn't get his Achilles tendon slice until the 50 minute mark of this mm-hmm. movie, so... It's late. Yeah, we are trying to do some character development stuff. Which is hit or miss, but... Oh boy, yeah. You know what? Let's <laughs> go into it then. Let's talk about where this movie starts. But Joe... Okay. Did you watch the opening, uh, the alternate opening for this film? <laughs> Sweet Jesus. Um, I watched something. I watched a woman get thrown through a windshield. I don't know what else I was watching. Yeah, everyone, to paint you a picture, and this reeks of the studio saying, hey, we need a kill earlier in this movie. Absolutely does. But it's just a female hitchhiker. She's on the side of the road. She sees Bo's truck. And then basically he drives up like full speed, somehow grabs her by the neck through his window and just (laughs) tosses her into her own car's windshield Uh with the most hilariously bad female Wilhelm scream that I have to assume was going to be ADR'd at some point if they went through with this. (laughs) Yeah, it's just completely out of context. This isn't a character. There isn't 
anything to it. It's literally just, hey, can we kill a woman to open this movie? <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, her name is Jennifer, apparently, because I think the alternate sure. opening is called Jennifer's Death. But I'm like, yes. okay. <laughs> okay, movie. What but I like the actual opening. We get much better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's actually a more classical way to open a horror film, which is then we start in the past and then we'll jump ahead to the present day. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we open in 1974. We've got these unseen kids. Uh, so one is a very polite boy who's just sitting in his high chair in a kitchen. The other is a screaming disaster who is... Uh, rightfully upset because he is being horrifically abused by his mother Trudy who is played by Dravinian Delbert and the important thing is that we don't see any faces in this sequence man and this is where to the film I'm kind of like film like why do we this film really tries to do a lot with the twin thing and I think it really mm-hmm. brings it doesn't it work down. it's it so does... obvious <laughs> well and here's the thing so the writers of this movie uh Chad and Carrie Hayes are twins okay yeah because the twinny shit is all over this i will say this too because i was like what else have they written before so they actually stuck onto the dark castle train the next film would be the reaping the hillary swank biblical plague movie Ooh, i've heard bad things i've never seen it though they are it's 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 one of those ones where it's like honestly it is a c film like it's just Mm -hmm. kind of boring but like it's not it's not the travesty i think that all the reviews made it out to be it's just it's it's aggressively like it's just there it's very forgettable it's mediocre yes what is bad though um they actually (laughs) their next film is 2009's white out the kate beckinsale no and that's a dark castle movie too (laughs) oh secret dark castle movies yes it's based on a graphic novel um Mm -hmm. they are actually two of four screenwriters and i think they were brought in after the fact to tinker with the script because there were problems with that one yeah the problem with that movie is it is boring it is Mm. so boring and it's not shot well so whenever this is the blizzard which is most of the movie you actually can't mm-hmm. see what's going on i mean that is an issue right it, uh, particularly if you're doing snowbound winter horror we still need to be able to see what the fuck is going on but they hit a home run because they also wrote by themselves 2013's the conjuring oh shit <laughs> really okay <laughs> plot twist but then another oh, so they also co-wrote the conjuring too but it wasn't alone mm. they were two of four screenwriters on that one but right they also wrote I want to say it was two years ago or maybe last year, The Turning, the Mackenzie Davis turning of the screw movie. Ooh, it also a bit of a tampered film like that. There were problems with yeah. that movie for sure, for sure. So there, I find their career very fascinating, but it's definitely a roller coaster. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I need to get my neck checked because I got, like, whiplash. But, yeah, anyway, back to the twin thing. So I feel like that's why they did it. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not only that we have the two, the, the the killer twins, but we also have, you know, Alicia Cuthbert's Carly and Chad Michael Murray's Nick. And mm-hmm. they're trying to do parallels there. It doesn't really work. It doesn't. It just doesn't feel like it comes to anything. It doesn't. And also the twist of, like, oh, Bo was the one who was the wild child and Vincent mm-hmm. was the calm. I, just, I don't really care. Like, does that no. really matter? <laughs> it's not the twist that the movie wants to think it is no it is not like it's it's you cut that out (laughs) yeah there's a bunch of things where it's a swing and a miss in this movie you know i almost admire it for trying but it just never seems to quite connect where it does succeed though i think is in the score people always talk about the the soundtrack for this film because it's a lot of new metal you know we get right we're in that time period (laughs) very much so um but i actually think so everyone the score here's our queer connection uh john ottman director of urban legends final cut very queer man uh, yeah, he did the score for this, and I love the smash cut to the title card after this mom smacks the fuck out of Bo. <laughs> Oof, yeah. 
yeah, I have another queer connection that is maybe less. Well, it's more inferred. This is going to be considered a reach for some folks, but oh, we'll no, talk I, about it in a bit. I buy into it, and when we get there, I'm excited to talk about it. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Gay shit. Okay. So let's cut to a diner. In the present day, we see Paige, who is played by Paris Hilton, discussing Carly. I love it. Her first shot, like, oh, let's show Paris Hilton eating ke- fries and ketchup to show that she's a normal person. <laughs> she's a normal person. She eats, and she's not eating a salad. She's a fries girl. Which apparently, though, that's actually not far from the truth. She very much does not like to work out, and she very much is a junk food eater. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, not the healthiest of lifestyles, but uh, good for her. <laughs> it's a whole plot point on the movie life thing. <laughs> oh my god i love that you watched that because it was such a journey for me when i watched it a couple years ago i mean the fact that i did start to feel the length by the end of it but like oh, yeah. again it's just like i was cringing for most of it but it was it was a very interesting watch it's informative <laughs> it's informative <laughs> of 2005 there we go there we go in case you've forgotten Okay, yeah, so Paige and Carly are talking about Carly's in-style magazine internship in New York City. Okay. (laughs) It just, it's one of those things where I don't even think in-style magazine does a paper print anymore. So part of just the idea that you would go to New York City for probably an unpaid internship at a now foreclosed magazine... 2005 yeah also unpaid internship in new york city good luck surviving. absolutely not you are living in someone's closet and probably getting murdered yeah 100 <laughs> percent. people in new york are like how dare you no they're like yeah yeah that's true <laughs> like, well maybe not the murder but definitely the closet yeah so the issue is that carly is dating wade who is jared padalecki and he is apparently not interested in moving out of Gainesville. So this is where the relationship turmoil is coming from. She wants to move and experience new things. He's resistant to that because he's a bit more of a down-home kind of guy. Which I guess is the reason why his name is Wade. (laughs) Sure. Sure. (laughs) He's a homely country boy, Wade. (laughs) Very much so. I mean, he's wearing... A lot of just kind of plaidy shirts in this movie. And he... He looks like a, a Wade from Gainesville. Fun fact, Jerry Padalecki is an enormous man. He's very tall. Oh, he's so tall. I could climb that tree. It, likewise. Um, he is a foot taller than Alicia Cuthbert. So in the shots, whenever they were shot from the knees up, she actually strapped wooden blocks to her feet. <laughs> that is some orphan first killed nonsense, and I love it. It really is. And so again, y'all, watch the scenes where it's from the knees up, and then watch the scenes where it's wide shots of them just walking through the town, and you'll see the height difference. He's noticeably tall. <laughs> yeah i <laughs> uh, love it okay so also here to cause the drama is yes her felon twin brother nick who is played by chad michael murray don't worry folks we will see him take his top off apparently a gay renaissance for a lot of folks um okay so we have this drama between nick and wade kind mm-hmm. of like kind of he doesn't like wade we don't know why but then, like, l- later, he's, like, talking to Dalton. He's like, oh, Wade's not that bad. And I'm like, w- mm-hmm. why? What? <laughs> no, I think what it is is that there's beef between Nick and Carly because she didn't stand up for him when he was accused of mm. car theft, which is why he was sent away. We'll find this all out in a bunch of conversations that 
unfortunately happened at a point in the film where we don't fucking care anymore. So it's like, ugh, this drama. But it feels like Nick doesn't like Wade because he's just sort of fixating on his dislike for his sister and then shifting it onto her boyfriend. And here's the thing. like, This is a four-star movie for me. I really, mm-hmm. really, really like this movie. But yeah. And I commend it. Like, you know, the, the as I said, Jared Padalecki doesn't get attacked until 50 minutes in. So this mm-hmm. movie does go through the effort to make yep. like character relationships do character development and like you know it's it's really holding on and doing kind of a drama until we get to the slashing and i mm-hmm. do respect it for that yep the problem is a lot of this doesn't really ring very true it's very it's a lot of like shortcuts for clunky exposition mm-hmm. that bad dialogue you were talking about yeah and i mean like uh, and Honestly, I think the fact that we do split these characters up hurts Ooh. the film in the long run. It does. It makes it feel very slow for a lot of this burst act and maybe even into the second well and i will say and i'm not going to just like i mean y'all obviously i love paris hilton and i'm biased but like i mm-hmm. actually think that the, the most compelling personal relationship in this film yeah is the one between carly and Paige. absolutely the funny thing is is like if you watch that mtv series it seems like they didn't have a lot of time to foster an off-screen relationship mm-hmm. so the fact that you fully buy into their friendship on screen i think is a testament to both actresses yeah and i mean like look hilton i'm she's not the best actress in the world but she she's does fine. Ex- exactly what is asked of her for this mm-hmm. admittedly underwritten role but it's those scenes before carly falls into the animal pit where i'm just like mm-hmm. oh like i i would have loved to have seen more scenes between these two because i just like watching their friendship these other yeah. characters on the other hand mm. <laughs> Well, let's introduce some of the other ones. So Paige's arc is that she may be secretly pregnant with Blake, who is Robert Richard. Uh, She may be pregnant with his baby, and she can't find a time to talk to him about that. And part of me is like, well, maybe don't strip tease, have the conversation. (laughs) One thing I thought that was really interesting about this. So historically, you know, in because we're in Louisiana here, Mm -hmm. um, in Southern states, it's very much like, oh, like, it's a big deal if you bring a black boy home. Like, you can't be a white yes. girl to bring a black boy home. But here could... it's the switch, right? It's like, oh, she's a white girl. He can't bring her home. That's the thing. Yeah, because Carly says his parents won't let him marry you. And I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Never explain, but we have to infer. Yeah, we have to infer. But I thought that was a very interesting line of dialogue. And then, of course, there's another character that we haven't talked about because I literally forget that John Abrahams is in this movie. Mm-hmm. We have Pervy Dalton, who seems to not really fit into the group. I have thoughts. Yeah, everyone, John Abrahams, of course, from Scary Movie and the director of Exploited, which we covered last year. Wait. Uh, yeah, and folks would have heard that on the main feed just like maybe this week. Yeah, that, good timing, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we planned that in advance for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, Dalton's Dalton's main claim to fame in this movie is that he's an amateur videographer. So he's the guy with the camcorder. And this is why we see things like nearly sex tape-ish footage of him sneaking up on Blake and Paige making out outside the diner. So, okay. I, I, I'm glad, I, I'm ashamed that I didn't even catch this because I was like, oh, I guess they're trying to do like some faux found footage type thing. Mm-hmm. Your explanation makes a lot more sense. Although I will say, in an interview, Paris Hilton was asked if that stuff was a nod to her sex tape and she claims that the scene mm-hmm. was already in the script. But... 
Right, but they probably knew who they were aiming yes. to cast, mm -hmm. and they wrote it in in anticipation of. That is my thought, too, because apparently Hilton was the first person cast in this film, which means, yes, yeah. we are... It's that thing where it's like this marketing synergy, right? So we are, we're thinking with Paris Hilton first and working yep. around that again instead of thinking with the film first. <laughs> A hundred percent. Yeah. So folks, there's basically two incidents within this plot. So there's this moment where we see the pair of them making out and it's through the camcorder footage that Dalton is shooting. Mm -hmm. And then there's another sequence where it looks like she is giving Blake roadhead and we're filming that and seeing it in the camcorder footage as well. And it all, it doesn't look exactly like One Night in Paris, which is the title of the sex tape. Yeah. But that comes out one year before, is partially responsible for exploding her stardom. And then, as you mentioned, literally the marketing, the poster of this is Paris Hilton's face dripping with what looks like semen. And yeah, yeah. And I, I will say in that American meme documentary, she says like when that sex tape came out, she was like, it felt like I had been raped. And Ooh, Jesus, it's I mean, again, it's y'all don't release someone's sex tape. That's horrible. Mm -mm. Um, I've actually never, I've never watched a celebrity sex tape. I'm not saying that no. to brag. I just I've never had the interest, really. <laughs> Honestly, the only time I ever am briefly tempted is if they have publicly said that they are either OK with it mm. or if I just want to look at a still of a dick. Oh, yeah, that makes like sense. if I want to see Colin Farrell's penis. Sure. Yeah, I'm thinking, well, oh, God, who's the, oh, my God, you know, I can't remember the guy's name, but the one who, like, slaps his dick in his hands constantly, he's got this monster cock, and he just slaps it, it's, um, oh, my, Tyler Posey, Tyler Posey. <laughs> oh, God, problematic figure, Tyler Posey, yeah. Yes, but literally, if you, like, look up his dick videos, he just, like, constantly slaps his dick in his hands, and I'm like, okay, dude. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you got it, flaunt it. <laughs> sure. But yeah, it, this is all, again, in 2022, all of this feels very icky. Oh, yeah, yeah. It feels very invasive. And also, well, this is how we're suckering people into coming to watch our movie. So I guess we have to deliver on the thing that they think they want. Well, and so on a level, then, I'm glad that this marketing campaign proved to be fruitless for them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's sad because it means that the movie is considered a box office flop, but also fucking shame on you. Yeah, very much so. Uh-huh. But Paris Hilton, real trooper, good for you for just sticking with this and keeping your persona up. Mm-hmm. And as you said, I actually think she kind of comes out of this film as one of its bright spots in terms of the acting. Literally, when this film ends, I'm always like, I wish I had more Paige in this movie. Right? <laughs> yeah. Give us our girl Paige. Honestly, give me a spinoff with Paige and then Paige from Valentine, played by Denise Richards. Oh, my God. Because here's the thing, too. Like, again, Paris Hilton serviceable actress. I don't mm -hmm. really think anyone in this movie is particularly, like, strong. No, it's not a great acting movie. Mm -mm, mm -mm. I mean, Cuthbert does the best because she sure, has because the she most has to the work most. with. Yeah. But yeah, outside of that, it's kind of like, eh, like it's, yeah, it's as you said, it's not an actor's movie. <laughs> All right. So this group is carpooling in two different vehicles. They're on their way to unnamed football game, which doesn't matter. We just need to know that they're on a road trip and they will be camping. So they hop into their two cars. They end up having to take a road detour because we will later learn that the roadkill driver has been 
ferreting people into this town that is off the map so that we can kill them and turn them into wax figurines. <laughs> but at this moment, all we know is, oops, we have to take a detour off the highway. I always think about that bit in the Simpsons movie whenever uh, they put the dome over Springfield and, mm-hmm. and Tom Hanks, is, uh, th- th- someone's like driving with their GPS by Springfield and it's like, and up on your right, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Don't look. Just keep driving. <laughs> Okay, so they realize that because of this detour, they're not going to get to where they need to be. They're starting to get tired. They know that they need to... Who could care? All of this stuff is nonsense. They just need to get off the road, so they go camping. And it just happens to be after they have driven by a giant billboard that mentions Trudy's Wax Museum. Yeah, so we basically just get like kind of... Not a super cut, but just like a montage of them horsing around mm-hmm. we get that line that you started i'm happy we don't get the f slur in this movie but i was Ooh, nearly wor- i was worried for a second <laughs> that we were about to get it with those elton john sunglasses yeah i mean there, there's some interesting things here so it's very clear that dalton has a crush of some kind on carly which is why he allows her to dress him up mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it's also very clear that like nick just doesn't fit in with this group even though he clearly has some kind of relationship to both dalton and blake like it's revealed that blake is the one who got him out on bail which is what allowed him to come to this trip but he seems far more chummy with dalton very much so and chummy we can put in quotes because Mm -hmm. we think there's more to that (laughs) we certainly do there's two different instances where i will venture into a queer reading let's go but continue yeah so we're, we're horsing around we're setting up camp we're having fun and then all of a sudden trace there's a stiff breeze and it smells terrible. <laughs> but put a pin in that because we're just going to party it off. Yeah, we're like, okay, whatever. Big smell. Party, mm-hmm. y'all. <laughs> <laughs> so the partying is interrupted by the ominous truck lights uh, that appear on the ridge. And this person doesn't make any effort to come out and speak to them. So Nick does the thing that all movie badasses do. He smashes a headlight with a beer bottle and we all laugh it off. This will not come back into play. Uh, it kind of, well, the headlight It totally does. comes back into play. Okay. <laughs> I, oh, don't I break were... <laughs> a fucking headlight of a car you don't know. I couldn't detect sarcasm. I was like, Joe, do you not, did you not watch the movie? <laughs> yes, it's, it's the second week in a row I have not watched the movie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes, put that in your back pocket. Mmm. So we get a bit of this night vision camcorder footage through the campsite, and we think it could be Dalton. Spoiler, it's not Dalton. Yeah, again, this is kind of this is kind of padding. I guess it's because we're like, we need to show that there is a threat, even though it's like, well, y'all, we're in the movie. Like, we know mm-hmm. <laughs> that something's going to happen eventually, but this is padding that could be cut from the beginning of this movie. Well, it's weird to me. I mean, there's better confirmation of it later, but I will confess that I often forget that this movie is an example of rural horror. Like, it's city folk going out into the country, encountering people who fuck them up because they don't know how to deal with their surroundings. Well, and when we get to the Lester character, like, he's very much like, he could have walked out of wrong turn and I would have not batted an eye. Is that the roadkill driver guy? Yes. <laughs> okay. I I looked him up and it was like, does he not have a name? I think it's Lester. Oh my God. Did I just make that up? <laughs> Lester the molester? Is that why? <laughs> Chester the molester. <laughs> Hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me, uh, 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 young Bill Vincent Wax. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't even think he's credited in the IMDb. <laughs> he's not. He's roadkill driver. Okay. Well, I'm going to call him Lester. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, Lester it is. So we break camp in midday. Uh, they slept rather late, which P.S. If you have ever gone camping, you know that this is not a thing. The minute that the sun starts to strike a tent wall, you are roasting. It is basically like being the lobster in the pot. Oh, yeah. I felt hot looking at the grass in this scene. Well, here's the thing. I, I'm surprised people don't look texas chainsaw massacre remake levels of sweaty in this yeah. movie because it must have been so fucking hot filming well, in australia that's the thing and again, like, like, when you have your cast of pretty actors we don't want to ugly them up too much and that is where i will commend that texas chainsaw massacre remake because those people do look like shit yeah, <laughs> despite being very so pretty. fucking sweaty yeah <laughs> but i mean a texas summer yes yeah and this is louisiana and they're heading to a football game like which mm-hmm. by the way they don't even have tickets for yet no i love that they're like we gotta get in line early so we can scalp tickets I'm like okay, okay like whatever <laughs> risky risky move so we're preparing to leave this is when wade discovers that his fan belt has been tampered with and also dalton's camcorder is missing and perhaps more alarmingly, Carly falls into this giant pit of roadkill that may or may not contain a human arm. Um. Also, okay, so this is where Paige really shines here, right? Because yeah. Carly's like, let's go look. And, and Paige is like, yeah, let's go follow the smell. Well, I want to see what it is. <laughs> Why? <laughs> a little bit. I will say, so Brian did not watch this with me. He was distinctly uninterested in being my viewing companion. But he did walk through the scene when Alicia Cuthbert falls and sticks her arm in the goo oh yeah and i think that was enough for him to peace out because that scene is so effectively disgusting well and also and first really good use of an overhead shot in this movie the shot Mm -hmm. like the tableau almost of just it's like her filling the top part of the frame as just this Mm -hmm. this pit of animal carcasses massive it is so much bigger every time i see this movie which is probably about four times now yeah i'm i'm constantly surprised because you think it's oh she's fallen into an animal oh no there's probably 200 corpses here one thing the effects department does really well in this movie is the sinew that's on Mm. gore so like Mm. when she pulls Uh, her arm out it's like you see like it's like sticking to her (laughs) yeah it's super goopy yeah oh yeah goopy there you go (laughs) okay so lester aka roadkill driver played by damon harriman arrives he's actually introduced dumping more roadkill into this pit and He's immediately coded as creepy. Yeah. Like we shouldn't trust him. <laughs> There's uh, something a little wrong with him. It's kind of funny. I mean, also, that twist with him being the third brother, I'm like, who gives oh a Oh my fuck? god, who it's could care? Why? <laughs> but, um, you know, he looks dirty, he's got the mm-hmm. accent, his teeth. I mean, yeah. it, it's not the best portrayal of a Louisiana native. No, no. This is very firmly where the rural horror kicks in, right? It's, Mm -hmm. oh gosh, if you're a city folk, you could fall into a pile of roadkill and have to deal with this bucktooth idiot. And you're just like, come on. Like, there's lots of great people who live in these states. Well, here's the thing, too. So we're like, oh, it's their brother. Um, Bo looks fine. And Mm -hmm. Vincent, with the exception of his mask face, like, also looks fine. Uh (laughs) So what is this guy doing? Yeah, th- this is very much the brother that nobody apparently cared about because he's a bit of a local yokel. Maybe he was like in a cage in the basement during that opening scene. I mean, maybe, maybe. 
So all this to say, Lester ends up offering them a ride, because of course we can't drive with the broken fan belt, so Wade and Carly end up hitching a ride with him, and the others will continue on, they will get tickets and meet back up with them later. And this, 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 <sighs> this is, is where this we is, split up. Yeah, and so that's the thing, Paige and Carly will never interact again, except on the phone. Oh, that's wild. I hadn't even thought about that. And, and, and that's a problem. I, mean, I know why we do this, because we mm-hmm. have to get Wade and Carly away so Wade can get killed. Sure. It just does suck, because it does then make like the Paige and Blake stuff feel very superfluous to everything else that is going on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Particularly when we have that extended scene between them, you're just like, oh, just kill them already, because we know that's what we're doing. They don't even make it to the town. They stay at the no. campsite the entire time. <laughs> it's it's wild. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so this is where we get the notable scene of Nick taking off his tank top so that he can give it to Carly. So we do get some abs. Chad Michael Murray looking great. Sure. I, sure. I, I'm I, clearly not a fan favorite for you. I, no, I mean, uh, even before this horrendous documentary appearance from him, like I, <laughs> I, I've never disliked him, but I've never, like, he's never been like that. Because I, I, maybe because the first time I saw him was on Gilmore Girls because he played mm. a douchebag on that show. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't watched Gilmore Girls, so I don't know about the character arcs. Obviously, Jared Padalecki comes out of that show better than most of the other dudes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was only in the first season, I think, but he played, like, a bully at the school that Rory went to, and he constantly made fun of Dean. Hmm. Uh, Jared Padalecki, sorry. Right, okay. (laughs) Actually, it did play well in this. Tell me the character names of a show I just said I don't watch. (laughs) Sure. I'm like, it's Dean, it's Dean, don't you know Dean? Dean? (laughs) I'm like supernatural? No, that's the other brother. Well that yeah, that that's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to our Gilmore Girl podcast. I know. But I didn't know this, but apparently Paris Hilton did guest on Supernatural in an episode that was about a wax museum. Oh wild. Okay. Yeah. I remember she did a Veronica Mars guest spot, <gasps> and that was the only other time I'd seen her outside of this film in the simple way. Oh yeah, and again, she's kind of I don't I haven't seen the supernatural episode, but in Veronica Mars she's very much playing on her mm-hmm. per- like she's like the rich bitch you know at the school she is yeah it's but. stunt casting because we were trying to goose veronica mars's ratings because that show was not doing well no it was not but you know sad <laughs> hey we got four seasons in a movie <laughs> there we go <laughs> it, it's a little hard to complain all things considered but <laughs> dear god i love that show i do too Okay, so we're on the road with Lester, and he's making very obvious overtures about looking at Carly's body in this tank top. It's kind of funny. I was like, does Carly have a magical vagina? Because every dude wants to fuck her in this movie, including her brother. It's just Alicia. Oh, man. Uh, The chemistry between her and the brother is weird. She has better chemistry with Chad Michael Murray than she does with Jared Padalecki. Yeah, it is a little weird. I I, I just don't give a shit about this twin stuff at all. Oh, God, no. No, no, no. (laughs) Which is funny because usually when you're doing twin shit in a movie, that is the focus and I am here for it. Like, think of all the twin drama shit we have seen in other horror films. Well, but that's the thing, right? Like, it does seem to be the focus of this film, but at the same time, they don't spend that much time on it. No, no. Okay, so the others are getting caught in traffic and they end up ultimately deciding to turn around. But we're basically following Wade and Carly as they they decide that Lester is too creepy. So they get out of the truck and they end up walking into the sleepy town of Ambrose. Uh, one of my favorite line deliveries from Alicia Cuthbert. I don't care. That guy was a freak. <laughs> <laughs> okay, girl, just just spill it. Spill that tea. Get it out on the table. 
I'm like, he's right behind you. Like, you might want to be a little quiet about it. <laughs> oh, they do not care about how they come off here. I mean, admittedly, Lester is pulling out a very creepy looking knife. We discover that we can't open the door or roll down the window on one side of the truck. Mm-hmm. It's red flag central, but also, folks, it, it stage whisper until you are at least five feet away from the person <laughs> you think might kill you. Stage whisper. <laughs> He's a freak. I don't care. That guy was a freak. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So they head to the gas station, but they can't find anyone. So they go to the church. And this is where they draw the ire of Bo, who is played by Cougar Town's Brian Van Holt. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) Someone commented in one of my tweets about this and was like, well, I mean, look, Dark Castle really lowered their standards for this one. They at least got, uh, no, they're like, they got Jeffrey Rush to be Vincent Price in House on Hunter Hill. And then they get Mm -hmm. Bobby from Cougar Town. And I was like, go fuck yourself. How dare you? Penny can forever. And this is pre-Cougar Town, too. But it's it's always really funny because everyone, if you've not seen Cougar Town, I mean, we've talked about it plenty of times, but Mm -hmm. he is the lovable doofus on that show. (laughs) He's so perfect in that role. And so to watch this where he, I mean. He's kind of sexy and kind of threatening. Like, he's doing it for me. Very much so. And he's playing, he does play Vincent in those scenes. He does. Yep. I will say strong Gabriel for malignant vibes in this Vincent uh, costuming and hair. Yes. Yes. I didn't even (laughs) think about that. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I mean, obviously, that would be malignant aping on this. Oh, for sure. I don't think it's intentional. It was just more, oh, we've been doing this long hair, blurry face nonsense for quite some time. I'm just imagining Akila Cooper writing malignant. Like, she's watching House of Wax while she's writing the script for malignant. She's like, huh, (laughs) light bulb. (laughs) Oh, twin shit, eh? Let me one up ya. Oh, shit. Yeah. (laughs) Trace. It's sorry, y'all. We're recording on a Saturday morning, which is not when we normally record. <laughs> this is true. We are off our game, but goddamn, we are having a good time. <laughs> okay, so they they wait for Bo because he's like, "Let me meet you at the store, and I will get you that fan belt." And in the meantime, they say, "Okay, well, why don't we kill some time? Go to Trudy's famous wax museum." And these scenes are also intercut with our introduction to who will eventually be revealed as Vincent. And it's a little gross. It's basically a lot of close-ups of a wax tit (laughs) making a wax tit. (laughs) So Carly and Wade explore this lobby. They discover that it is entirely made of wax by an artist named Vincent. The name is on every item in there. And then Carly thinks that she sees someone. So Wade investigates and he leaves her inside to basically just have a panic attack and freak out. So this line delivery of Jared Padalecki was like, it is wax. Like, literally. Um, People made fun of that a lot. What do we think of the concept of a literal house of wax? I think it is a very fun movie conceit, and it is so impractical in reality. Mm -hmm. I just have to kind of guffaw. I'm like, did they just, like, helicopter in a big block of wax, and then Trudy just Mm -hmm. went to town and started carving this shit? And it's like, the the exterior wall is textured. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm like, this must have taken a century to build. (laughs) Right. And we're basically told later on, like, right near the end of the film, the explanation for why no one interceded and stopped the action of these twins is because the town fell off the map when the sugar mill factory closed, which is where Paris Hilton presumably is killed right and they basically just ended up losing track of everything that was happening 
Motherfuckers, you didn't notice a giant two-story house made of wax? Well, and I mean, I don't, I don't know necessarily the 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 science behind wax melting. However, mm-hmm. we're in Louisiana, right? And the Do you summers, think it gets hot enough to melt a little bit of wax? I, I, I <laughs> maybe I have no idea. And here's the thing: I have seen many people be like, I, "This takes me right out of the movie." And this is where again I will throw oh, in, "Y'all, no. this is a dumb '80s slasher. You've got to suspend that disbelief." <laughs> Yeah, no, it doesn't take me out at all because part of me thinks, how amazing would it be to wander through a house and discover everything is made of wax? Like, yeah, what a what an interesting slash magical slash potentially dangerous situation. And without this, we wouldn't have the awesome twenty minute fiery finale. Oh, the the thing that takes me out of this movie the most is the dog that is like for some reason pretending to be a wax figure. (laughs) Mm -hmm. What did Vincent say? Okay, stay. And I'll come back and collect you in a little bit. Yeah, like, that's less real to me than a big house of literal wax. (laughs) This feels like a weird, cheap jump scare because, hey, it's been a while since we've done anything remotely scary. Yeah, and it was in every trailer for the movie, too. (sighs) Why? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I I do love that shot of Vincent in the window, and he's like, boop, (laughs) just, like, Mm -hmm. runs away. (laughs) I've been spotted. (laughs) I don't care. That guy was a freak. Yeah, indeed. Okay, so let's cut back to Dalton and Nick. We're basically stopped because we're, I don't know what we're even doing at this point. Uh, But this is the first of two scenes that I think suggest that there is something more than friendship between Dalton and Nick. Because these two boys are crossing streams of Yuhain. Yeah, yeah, this... It is. I mean, look. Yes. Okay. All your straight bros out there, they're gonna be like, um, they're just friends, guys. Like, no. Mm-hmm. But there's there's a hint of it here, and it 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 escalates later. <laughs> yeah. Nick is pansexual, maybe a bit incestuous, so he loves his sister. He might even love Wade the way he bullies him, and he's mm. in love with Doll. He wants everyone in this movie except for Blake and Paige. <laughs> yeah, because they're off the market because they're maybe pregnant and having a baby later. Oh God. I, that, <laughs> also, some a plot point that comes to nothing. Yeah, nothing at all. No, so, uh, yeah, so Dalton and Nick are are just very casually peeing out in the open about a foot away from each other. And this is when Blake says, hey, I need you two to fuck off and give me time so I can fuck my girlfriend. Yes. Um, Also, I'm sorry, really quick rewind to, to, to Wade and Carly. So whenever she sees Vincent, she's like, it wasn't a wax thing. It was moving and it was freaky looking. To which Wade replies, well, let's go check it out. <laughs> that's my number one response something is weird and freaky looking well actually you know what as horror people that probably would be our first response but as characters who are in a weird circumstance maybe take a step back it just shows that they're meant for each other carly wants to go check out the weird smell way wants to go check out the weird person in the window <laughs> there we go doomed lovers fit for each other <laughs> Okay, so in the gas station, Carly unpacks uh, basically her her relationship baggage with Nick. Yeah. So she tells Wade that basically he was deemed the evil twin by their parents, and as a result, he grew up to live up to their expectations in that description. So yeah, he's gotten into trouble all of his life. He never takes responsibility. He went to jail because he stole a car. I needed a bigger thing from this because yeah, her thing is like, oh, you know, he started getting in trouble. So they always compared the two of us and he didn't Mm -hmm. like that. And I was like, that's not really enough of a thing (laughs) for me to buy this. I mean, I guess if we had seen it, you know, oh, but I don't know. It feels like it might be something from this, these writers lives. 
Well, or even this idea that twins are so often compared, like even fraternal twins, which is what we're talking about. Right. It seemed almost like, I don't know, like a thing that twins have to contend with, which is that because they're the same age, so closely related to one another that they're constantly pitted against each other and one comes out good and one comes out evil or worse or something like that. Like, so my husband, Brian, is a fraternal twin and... Mm. It's interesting because people would constantly apparently ask him if they had twin powers, if they were dressed the same and all this kind of stuff. And so it is a thing that people have to go through. But the movie seems to make it out to be one of those things where if they are nurtured in a particular way, Uh, one of these kids could absolutely grow up and be evil. Yeah, I I get it. It's it's so... It's not superfluous, but it's so paper thin that I'm just kind of like facile. And again, it's like I appreciate the effort, but I mm-hmm. also I'm critiquing the lack of effort at the same time. <laughs> you admire the fact that they took the time to put it in there, but then you lament the fact that they didn't actually execute it well. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they are interrupted by Bo, who insists that he has the correct fan belt back up at the house and then he gives them this overview about trudy and how she kind of lost her mind and dr sinclair moved them to this small town and then she got obsessed with making this house of wax so this is the exposition as we're moving up to the house which is not at all giving me psycho vibes oh I, oh my god right right oh i love that i love that <laughs> <laughs> So we get there and Wade asks if he can use the bathroom. So Carly goes and sits in the car. She sends Nick the coordinates, which becomes important because she's about to lose her cell phone. And then we cut to Nick and Dalton driving in the car because uh, he gets the coordinates. But this is confirmation where we learn that, oh, Nick actually isn't bad. It was Dalton who stole the car and Nick took the fall for him. And I do want to highlight that this is the second scene. I think the more obvious one that there is more going on here. Yeah. Well, because there's a third scene, obviously. Oh, yeah. The the third scene is the big one. But yeah, it's very much a uh, because he's like, oh, thank you for taking the heat. Oh, it's okay. I mean, again, I already have like a big track record. Like who like what's one more thing on the docket? Car theft. That's a bit of a big one. Right. He he did it for love. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know too, too many friends who would. The problem, too, is that Dalton is not a character. Like, barely any of these people are characters, but Dalton particularly doesn't have anything to connect him to any of these others. He's the character where you wonder why is he even friends with these folks because they don't seem to have anything in common. So this feels like that flimsy attempt to say, oh, Nick and Dalton are really good friends. But then for our perspective as queer viewers, it's like, this is a weird friendship. Why are we doing this exactly? Well, because he's supposed to be like the prankster of the group, right? And it, it, sure. and I think that that's where on this rewatch I was the most frustrated because again, like yeah, we have this slow start and we have so much screen time devoted to like character stuff, mm-hmm. but they're not utilizing it very well. Like I feel like they're focusing on all the wrong things. Yeah, yeah, it's a problem, mm-hmm. particularly when this movie is nearly two hours. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
Okay, so we cross-cut between Carly discovering that Bo is actually the person who was driving the truck with the broken headlight, Mm -hmm. and Wade investigating Dr. Sinclair's old office. So he's finding medical files and weird equipment. It's very House on Haunted Hill. The score starts kicking in as soon as these scissors come out of the trapdoor on the floor. Oh, for sure. Then the lights go out, and the Achilles go down. Ooh, and the foley work on this Achilles Mm -hmm. tendon is... uh, It's real good. I think we said this at the beginning, but this is a mean movie this movie does hurt its protagonist mm-hmm. and man jared padalecki <laughs> he, he gets, gets the brunt of it <laughs> he really gets the brunt of it oof 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 this is rough yeah so achilles first he goes down i do love the fact that this is shot in a different way so you can tell that he can barely see the light here is for our benefit but it's very clearly filmed in a darker fashion than a lot of the other scenes yeah i uh, you know what i was getting vibes of with silence of the lambs just without the Mm -hmm. night vision yep yeah exactly so he gets stabbed a bunch of times and then he's eventually knocked out and so, so carly's freaking out and I, she locks mm-hmm. herself in the car right and Smart. Bo. so what i love though so Bo is like i'm sure like blah, 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 and he smashes the window grabs <laughs> her by the leg and tries to pull her out while going mm-hmm. i'm just trying to help you yeah <laughs> oh Bo, baby you have clearly not dealt with a person who is conscious in quite some time because this is not normal behavior yeah and so what we get like the, I think the big chase scene everyone remembers from this movie is Paris Hilton's chase scene because mm-hmm. Carly's doesn't really exactly feel so much like a chase scene because we're stopping a few times as she discovers the town. Mm-hmm. But you could consider her interactions with Bo here for the next five-ish minutes like an extended chase scene. Yeah, yeah, it, it's pretty good. I mean, so she manages to leave Blake a voicemail while this is all happening and then she tries to drive away. She inadvertently drives the truck kind of off of a ledge so that one of the wheels is like out hanging in open space yeah we're cross-cutting between wade getting injected with a paralytic he gets fully stripped naked sat in a chair and then covered with scalding hot wax and Um, she meanwhile is in the church investigating all of these bodies and realizing holy shit these are people who have been coated in wax because she breaks off somebody's arm and it's very clearly oh there's muscle and tissue and bone the wade stuff so it's not even just him getting covered in hot wax he gets Mm -hmm. all the hair on his face waxed off too oh yes yeah i forgot that they do the eyebrow oh god and like all of his facial hair Mm -hmm. oh god but again so this carly thing so she's hiding under the robe of the wax priest Mm-hmm. And Bo finds her, and she runs out of this this church. Mm-hmm. There is a fantastic shot as she leaves yeah. this church, and it's all overhead. But the camera is yep. also in motion, almost like tilting. Mm-hmm. And we see Bo catch up to her from an overhead shot. And again, mm-hmm. a normal scene we would have just seen, like we would have like facing Carly as we see Bo catch up to her. But there's something sure. about that overhead shot that a is just unique mm-hmm. and very effective. Yeah, something to be said for overhead shots. I feel like nowadays we're a bit jaded because we get a lot of these when drones we see yeah it's a lot of drone shots of cars driving into the forest and then oh, like 360 yeah. flip you know it's the the midsummer kind of thing mm-hmm. those are fine like they they look good i love a good drone shot there's something to be said when it's people like this made me think of that scene when the vampires are attacking in 30 days at night so yes we're just kind of tracking down the street mm-hmm there's something about having figures in it and and making that space so wide and expansive but we're seeing horrific acts of violence and it's 
I don't know, just really exciting and interesting visually. Well, because I think, again, if, if we have it where we're, you know, just facing Carly, it's a bit more claustrophobic. We don't have a full, mm-hmm. like, scale of, like, like the scope of all this. Right. Overhead, it's like, oh, hey, she's running. There is no place for her to hide. This is just mm-hmm. open land. Yeah, I mean, I love the idea that we're making a street a place of danger. Yes, yes. And it, it is that openness that makes it so scary, even though we mm-hmm. are in the middle of a town. Yeah, yeah, well, and we we think that maybe she could be helped by somebody else in this town. We don't know yet. Yeah, well, uh, unless you saw the trailer, because they do reveal that that woman in the window is absolutely a fake person. (laughs) Yeah, oh boy, marketing. (laughs) So Bo ends up, yes, grabbing Carly. He throws her into a medical chair and ties her down using the exact same techniques as we saw Trudy using in the cold open. This, okay, so... I feel like this also gets mentioned a lot when people discuss this movie, because mm-hmm. as a final girl, Carly does get, like, put through Ooh. the ringer. Yes, absolutely. It starts here. He super glues her lips together. It should be noted that Bo is very clearly sexually assaulting the women that he abducts because he has a wall of polaroids of women yes and this is all by the way and i would never have guessed this but um marilyn manson's dried up tied and dead to the world is playing over this scene there's something very creepy and sexual when he blows on her lips to dry the super glue a hundred percent yes it's incredibly intimate it's very confrontational it's very creepy also you don't need to blow on super glue it dries no it'll dry on its own (laughs) (laughs) it's like don't don't wag a polaroid it'll develop on its own but luckily we have a pseudo deus ex machina as nick comes into town Yeah, so Nick and Dalton have arrived because at this point they had her coordinates. They have had to abandon the truck because of that creek thing that we encountered with Lester earlier. But they arrived just in time. So Nick sends Dalton up to the house because they can't find any signs of Wade or Carly. And then he discovers Bo at the at the gas station because he knows that's where they were going to get the fan belt. And he starts to question him. And I think this is the moment of the film there's a lot of mean moments in this movie this is the one that always stands out to me because Bo clips the top of carly's finger so covertly and is so proud of himself oh yeah it's it's just wire cutters too and it's Mm -hmm. like this fingertip just snips off and then we get that close-up of her holding it it's like blood is spewing out of this gushing out of here and of course Nick is none the wiser. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, this is, I mean, I, I, look, Final Girls do get put through the ringers in movies. I mean, I think Sally from Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a pretty good example of that. Yeah. But this is, yeah, like, you just don't see this very often. You didn't see this very often in that kind of post-Scream era of slashers. Mm-hmm. I think more often than not, we were doing this when we were torturing people, and then we were murdering them. It wasn't often our final girl, right? Like, this to me feels akin to what we were seeing in Hostel with some of those torture sequences. It is mean. It is vicious. The only difference is that we're doing it to Carly and she survives. And this comes out about seven months after Saw premiered back in 2004, but about four months before Hostel would premiere at TIFF later in 2005. That's wild. So she ends up prying open her mouth in time to save Nick before he gets stabbed by Bo. We have a little bit of a skirmish here, and then Nick manages to lock himself inside the gas station, and then Bo disappears. We don't see where he goes. This, um, her pulling her lips apart, I think hurt me more than the fingertip. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. It's... The fingertip is like, oh, shit, I can't believe we just did that. This part is the, oh, God, no. Like, and unfortunately, like, 
I mean, granted, I've never super glued my lips together. I've never seen someone do this, but I feel <laughs> like I <laughs> feel like you that would hurt so, so much, much that it would really impede on your ability to do anything for the rest of this movie. <laughs> She'd be in so much pain. We see her. I joke to you that basically she rips this open. Her mouth is very clearly bloody. And then it just kind of throughout the rest of the film transitions into a kind of red lipstick look where it's like, oh, yes. look at how beautiful her ruby red lips are. It looks fine in the where we don't have a close up on her face, but I noticed mm-hmm. it especially in the movie theater scene where she's sitting right. in the seat and you're like, oh, it just looks like she smeared lipstick across her face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it made her so fashionable that pulling her lips apart from super glue. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, this whole, I won't call it a set piece, but this whole sequence is really, really brutal. Yeah, this is really where the movie is now picking up on the action, right? You know, Wade's attack is quick and very alarming, but we're also cross-cutting between it. Here, it's, it's condensed, but we're not moving away from it. So it all happens in one chunk, and it's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So speaking of Wade, we do cut over to Dalton entering the house, and he finds Wade sitting very passively (sighs) at the piano. So he realizes, oh, this is my friend. Why isn't he reacting? There's something on him. So... Trace, what does he do? Okay, I'm sorry. Not only before he even starts to peel it off, he goes, "I'm going to get you out of this, man." And I'm like, "What?" Great. <laughs> 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 it doesn't make a lot of sense that his skin comes off with the wax because I don't think mm-hmm. that's how that works. But no, who cares? He starts peeling this wax off a petal of his cheek, and it peels his skin off. We see, mm-hmm. I mean, a close-up shot of just yep. his exposed muscle. I guess, yeah, just whatever. Uh, but then we also get this really good shot where vincent is like in the foreground and we see dalton and 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 wade in the background and then oh yep uh vincent turns around has a Mm -hmm. big old knife and just slashes it down cutting off the side of padalecki's cheek exposing Mm -hmm. his entire jaw yeah i will say one of the other moments that really gets me is when dalton is picking away he keeps picking even though you can clearly see you are picking away his skin and flesh and we get these close-ups of Wade's face. Crying. His, he's crying and the eyes are darting back and forth because obviously he can't speak. It is so fucking upsetting. Yeah. And once his face gets sliced off, his eyes like roll into the back of his head. Because mm-hmm. he goes into shock, I imagine. Oh, I, I mean, I, I, look, again, suspension of disbelief that he would even be alive for this. <laughs> uh-huh. I think he'd just be burnt to death under the hot wax. That's what I was thinking, too. Or I, I don't know, maybe uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's a really mm-hmm. cool set piece. Oh, it's fantastic. Like, it's gory as hell. Very upsetting, as I said. This is the kind of thing where I go, oh, we're playing on a different field than we have been playing on with some of these other sort of slashery films of this ilk. This is meaner. This well, is harder. And again, once his face gets sliced off, again, like it, it's a quick shot, but like you see the, the goo that holds the skin to his mm-hmm. face together as it just like stretches as, the, 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 as his face skin falls off. It is... It is something. It is something to (laughs) behold. (laughs) Yeah. So unfortunately, Dalton doesn't last much longer. He basically ends up finding a doorway. He falls down it and then he gets brutally decapitated by vincent so what i love it's not just oh we're gonna slice your head off he does like his two knives in a scissor motion but Mm -hmm. he then grabs his legs and pulls (laughs) his torso away and you hear you hear the neck that the head like separate from the body and then to top it all off we get a close-up shot of his head tilt to the side as his eyes are still blinking Mm -hmm. oh classic (laughs) 
so good. Or <laughs> one out for Dalton. Yeah. Okay, so we've had enough violence. Let's move back into the sex portion of the film. <laughs> we see Paige performing a strip tease, and she and Blake are about to get it on. But the problem is she gets basically down to this lingerie, and then Blake is obviously interested in having sex, and she goes, Ooh, I just really want to have a conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, again, this whole scene, I'm like... Ugh. It's mm -hmm. only here because you you know that every teenage boy that did go see this in theaters thought he was going to see Paris Hilton naked. And oh my god! While I don't like that we have to have this for Paris Hilton, um, mm -hmm. I do appreciate that it's a big old cock tease. <laughs> oh sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, she looks great. It's it is what it is, and thankfully it doesn't go on too too long. So the music gets shut off, and Blake goes to investigate. He starts to play Carly's message, but then we cut back to Paris Hilton kind of waiting in the tent when he doesn't return i love that she just throws on some pajamas and goes to bed oh yeah she's like all right bye buddy fine like, fuck you okay. she wants it, like, we also don't ever learn if she actually is pregnant in this movie and i think no maybe that's intentional because if mm -hmm. if she actually was if the movie confirmed that she was i wonder if people would be like oh that's too mean because we're you killing a pregnant, kill a pregnant woman. woman yeah so it has, it has to be up in the air yeah but also then why are we bothering that's the thing like we're adding it, it's such manufactured drama that comes to nothing so why mm -hmm. is it even in this movie yeah yeah because i feel like the only thing it really does is confirm to us that carly is a good friend that Paige feels comfortable confiding in more than her boyfriend yeah i almost wish it was just something else right that, that would have some kind of resolution or let him know about it so he has a reaction to it and then have him die I, I guess i don't know if there's a way to rescue this it very much feels like if you've got women in horror films there are certain things that we can do that are going to be more triggering or yeah. more upsetting top of the tiers let's sexually assault them second stop down is let's give them a baby crisis i mean i guess we are opening the film with child abuse so you know wh wh why not <laughs> sure oh my god maybe that's the theme it's like well let's no let's not go there <laughs> <laughs> just don't maybe just don't break all those taboos yeah so Paige ends up getting attacked by vincent in the tent it's pretty quick she runs out we see that blake already has been more or less killed vincent kills him on the way past oh but the the, the, the knife stomp is pretty good though it's pretty good yeah but yeah then we get this chase scene yeah so Paige ends up running into this presumably sugar mill factory that has been abandoned but we do see that it's filled with items that have been scavenged by victims which of course is classic rural horror territory yep. wrong turn texas chainsaw massacre does it texas chainsaw massacre wolf creek all of the good films do it so yeah but i will say i i really like this i actually would have taken mm -hmm. a longer bit because i feel like she dies too right. quickly agreed yeah so she's running around she's barefoot which we know is going to come to no good she gets stabbed through the heel by yeah. vincent through the grating she hides briefly in a car and eventually she ends up getting impaled through the head by a pipe and of course we do that classic thing where her head then slides down it well and then vincent grabs the camera and then videotapes him like he it doesn't mm -hmm. just slide down he pushes her head down this pole of course, I think it's a really great death. This is a really is. great scene. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it does lend itself to, oh, Paris Hilton taking pole. Paris Hilton mm -hmm. gets a pole in the face. I'm like, okay, yeah. guys, like we, we get it. <laughs> well, and even the videotaping, it feels like one final just yeah. grody kind of thing to do for this film, where we've already sexualized her 
made you think of her sex tape and now we're making you think of oh well if she died we could film it and then it would be a snuff film and this wouldn't be as bad if this was a recurring theme throughout the movie with every single death right but we will never see another videotape section again no and we make this big deal about the camera going missing and i'm like but mm-hmm. just so we can get paris hilton videotaped dying <laughs> Yeah, and then it comes up in the very last scene where we learn that Nick has actually stolen the camcorder from police evidence, but again, it comes to nothing. So it's a who gives a fuck. It literally feels like it just exists so that we can do this bit. 100%. Yes. Yep. It's gross. I don't like it. So back in town, Nick steals a crossbow from the sporting store, and then uh, that immediately gets Bo's attention. He's now got a shotgun, so we flee into the movie theater and pose as wax figures who are watching What Else? Whatever Happened to Baby Jane? I love this entire sequence. I think this is so cool. I mean, I think it's a really dumb idea on Carly's part to, like, pretend to be a wax person because Mm -hmm. she doesn't look like a wax person. (laughs) No. I do love that Bo pretty quickly figures it out because when he can't see her from the back, he just goes down so that the light is illuminating the entire audience and then he can very clearly figure out who she is. Wouldn't it make more sense to hide under the seats? I mean, here's the thing. We're we're suggesting that she's foolish for doing this. This is actually part of the plan, right? We wanted to lure Bo. Right. We wanted to lure Bo out into the open so that Nick could shoot him with a crossbow, which and is I, what happens. Yeah, I will say though, I love it. Yeah, he like she, he chases her out of this auditorium, and mm-hmm. then immediately after getting out this door, he gets a crossbow in the arm and the chest. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Good pretty good, good call on the siblings for being able to execute this plan. Unfortunately, it doesn't get them a gun because they realize they can't find any bullets. So this is also, I would say, where we get the most incestuous moment of the film, where Nick is like, okay, Carly, you run for help. I'm going to go see if I can find Wayne in the house. And she's like, no, don't leave. I want to be with you. I'm going to stay with you forever. You're like, what the fuck are we doing? Are these two going to go down right now? They're out there. Be careful. I am being careful. (laughs) It's like... Are you going to fuck and then go? What, yeah. what is happening right now? I, but I, but that's the other thing, too, where it's okay. Like, you know, they have a rift in the beginning and they come together during this moment of crisis. But it's like, mm-hmm. I, and we get the explanation, as you said, as to why they have this rift between them. But it just, again, mm-hmm. it all feels so manufactured that it doesn't really oh, exactly yeah. ring true. But but then, yeah, they have this chemistry that you're like, whoo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, am I meant to root for them to be final pairs? In the words of Blake and- Lively, brother fucker exactly yeah twin cess to the max activate <laughs> okay so we go off in search of carly's cell phone and Bo's truck but they can't find it so they have to go into the house this is where carly finds pictures of the twins one of whom is very clearly disfigured because of course yeah of course Bo ends up stumbling in he doesn't realize that they're there so he's just trying to patch himself up oh this is fun though i i, I like carly having to like kind of sneak around and the, and the camera does some good work here too as we're like mm-hmm. following her hiding like, this feels very home invasiony almost mm-hmm. yeah like reverse home invasion yeah in the right degree you know it feels like maybe they might be able to get the tables turned on them And then Vincent arrives, and I do appreciate that we get this very brief moment, but we at least see Carly acknowledge, oh shit, my friends are dead. Oh yeah. Also, like, seeing Paris Hilton's body with her leg hanging out of the back of that truck, Mm -hmm. and then we see how abusive Bo is towards Vincent, and also he calls him a Mm -hmm. fucking freak. (laughs) He does, yeah, because once again, we're portraying any kind of disability in this film as freakish. Yep, 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 yep. 
All right. So Carly and Nick explore the house. They wind up trying to flip a bunch of switches. I'm not really sure what they were hoping to achieve by this. All it really does is illuminate the fact that they are there because the brothers clearly see all the lights in town going on and off. Yeah. And we get that moment of realization from Bo and it's like, you fucking... Maybe they were just hoping like a trap door would open Scooby-Doo style. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, is the way out down? Flip switch. No. (laughs) Nick ends up discovering Dalton's decapitated wax body. And folks, if you think that we were reaching with this queer reading... Look at Nick's reaction when he sees what has happened to Dalton and then realizes that he has inadvertently re-decapitated this body. He looks like he has lost a lover. Chad Michael Murray does not give a great... Pro- it's, it's, again, no. it's fine. It's not great. Right. But his best acting moment is in this scene. You see mm-hmm. heartbreak in his eyes. Yes. And it is the only moment of true, like, pathos I get out of this character in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because rest the rest of the time, he's very much trying to be the man. He's posing and posturing. Even in his previous interactions with Dalton, it's been a lot of bro-y boastfulness. Mm-hmm. And here, it's not, oh, no, I inadvertently injured the body, the corpse of my friend. It's, holy fuck, I have lost the person that I am most close with in my life. And folks, I just, I this reads to me super fucking queer well because here's the thing looking at this wax covered body you're like okay well he's clearly dead and he mm-hmm. is so consumed with grief yeah that he has lost all reason and he's like I, let, he, I think he even says let me get you out of this buddy mm-hmm. and in doing so yeah like a it's super mean yeah re-decapitates him like you said and it, you hear Ooh. the crunch oh yeah and, and even carly's like her reaction to it's really good too i mean th- th- this is a genuinely good like grief moment but it does ring as if like he's just lost a lover because mm-hmm. i compare this to something like dalton discovering wade he's very much like oh shit oh my god no but he doesn't i mean a dalton is so dumb he doesn't realize that wade is probably already dead yeah but you could argue that Nick has the same reaction. Like, when you see what has happened to Dalton, he is clearly not alive. And Nick's reaction is way bigger than Dalton was. Well, also, it's not obvious this is Dalton, except that his eye is visible. So mm-hmm. Nick recognizes this is Dalton solely by his eyes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sorry, really good friends of mine, I cannot recognize you by your eyes. No. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm not gazing lustfully into them most of the time. No, not at all. But yeah, I've never thought about that reading in this film because I've just never, just never really paid attention to it. I guess because I was like, whatever, body discovery. But right. yeah, it, 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 if you if you are looking for it, it's really obvious, even though it's probably unintentional. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I don't for a second believe that Chad Michael Murray is playing this in a particular way, <laughs> and yet the performance is giving it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this doesn't last for very long because Vincent ends up discovering them almost immediately. So we have not really even a fight at this point. It's more of a let's get the fuck out of here. And this is where we start to light the house on fire. Yeah, this. Okay, I think when people talk about this movie, how many times have I said that in this episode? Um, <laughs> but th- this is a highlight. I mean, oh, yeah, I think we should absolutely commend the practical effects in this movie. Yes, they are truly, and that that is part of Joe May Colette Colette Sarah's uh, intention. Like he did not want to use any kind of digital effects, 
unless mm. he absolutely had to yeah there's a featurette on this screen factory blue where they talk about how the special effects are used and it's very much to augment so there's even a scene where we see the dead bodies of Bo and vincent getting covered up in kind of a, like a, a liquid and that was done with actual liquid while they kind of laid on a mat and then they just put in some of the fire behind them using mm -hmm. cgi well all of this honestly there are only about three or four shots in this movie that looked actively bad mm -hmm. and in the entire movie not just the sequence and it is when we have the exterior shots of the house melting and when carly yep. and nick are like sinking down into the ground like it looks so it looks bad fake. Yeah. if only because the rest of it looks so good Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. it would look bad no matter what, actually. But it, it, <laughs> it looks worse because the rest of it looks so good. <laughs> right. Like, folks, if you want to see how bad fire looks, as much as we love it, go back and look at the end of Orphan First Kill because... It's really easy to do bad houses on fire. Yes. And, uh, you know, we argue that that film is so campy that it kind of, like, adds to the camp factor. This one is not doing camp. No, 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 not at all. But, yeah, so we get... I mean, this is... This is fun. I mean, watching... Mm -hmm. I, I can't imagine having to shoot this and be the... Uh, is it the line something? Whoever Whoever's in charge of continuity to make <laughs> sure that all the melting stuff was, like, timing right. Oh, boy. Yeah. I mean, I think we're doing some of this in inserts so that we could just capture it in close-up and get a better look at what some of these figures look like when they begin to melt. But, yeah, keeping track of, okay, so what stage is the second floor at? And if we do an overhead shot, do we need to make sure that the stairwell has melted to a certain degree here versus there? Oh, one thing I actually didn't even suspect in this, but we have miniatures for some of these interior shots. There's an overhead shot where the stairs give out, and that's miniature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And P.S. Bring back more miniature work because that's another reason this all looks great. Mm -hmm. And so we get this fight between mm -hmm. Carly and Bo, which is very, she beats the fuck out of this guy with a baseball bat. <laughs> she does, yeah. So Nick and Bo first start to fight. She briefly gets knocked out. But then after Nick gets stabbed in the leg, it's basically up to Carly to do most of the heavy lifting because he's bleeding out. He's kind of limping around. She fully kills Bo. And you, you keep waiting for her to do the classic horror movie thing where she hits him a couple times and then she'll grab the brother and run yeah. off. Oh, no. She's in it to win it. She's here for the heavyweight champion. She's going to beat this guy to death. Oh, yeah. His face is beaten to... I, 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 I do kind of like the fact, then, that Vincent is our final villain. Um, mm -hmm. Vincent is a cipher in this film because he doesn't right. speak. Like, we don't know yeah. anything about him except for the reveal that, yes, he was the quote-unquote good beat brother in the opening scene. Mm -hmm. But I love that we just get rid of Bo. It's like, fuck you, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I will say there's a couple of moments where I think the film doesn't trust us and thinks that we're stupid like the moment before we get the fight between nick and Bo, as they're sort of running to escape from vincent in the in the chamber where dalton has been killed in the basement we run by the twins chairs from that opening sequence and we see Bo and vincent and i'm just like yeah movie we know <laughs> we, we get, get it, it. <laughs> so yeah dumb. yeah anyway so yeah uh vincent arrives very shortly after Bo has been killed immediately goes after carly so she has to cut and run upstairs 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 <laughs> right 
I mean, I don't know that she realizes how bad the fire has gotten out of control at this point. Like, we've seen figures start to melt, but we also very clearly start to see giant holes starting to appear in the floor. I also think we start to see Bo's body sinking into the floor <laughs> during this point. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so she so she runs upstairs, and she ends up locking herself in this bedroom, but of course, because the house is melting, all of the walls and surfaces have become sort of malleable. She ends up using this ridiculous wax conjoined baby in. <laughs> I mean, it's okay, like this. <laughs> it's so dumb, and yet I kind of love it because if you're gonna say camp stuff like this is camp, where Vincent cuts through the door with his knife and he cuts through the conjoined twin <laughs> wax figure. And we have, I guess, it's a tracking shot because we're going from up to down. But like, we're, yeah, we 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 follow the knife down as he slices mm-hmm. through the wax twins, and it's like. <laughs> it's so silly it's so, so silly. silly i love how he like he like peels open the wax door which is really cool oh i love that and mm-hmm. then we have carly standing on this wax bed which by the way they're all like discussing uh, uh, this is a lot of peanut butter by the way that they were using for the wax oh interesting yeah because i i do love seeing them struggle like at one point nick will try to get up the stairs and his foot gets stuck kind yeah. of like nancy and nightmare on elm street mm-hmm. and it's great watching him struggle like there is such a viscosity to this entire final set piece because they were doing it with practical so yeah. there there's a tangibility to it that we don't get if they had to just said don't worry we'll do it in post well and that is the other thing too because honestly after this i mean yes we do get we get the reaping, and then we get orphan mm-hmm. and white out the same year, uh, which are both all Dark Castle. But mm-hmm. it's one of those things where I think because this movie underperforms, like Dark Castle is not giving forty million dollars to no. movies like this anymore. And and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that this is really the last of those Dark Castle movies where we have production design on this level. I mean, unless you want to talk about the house porn and orphan, but sure. Yeah, but like they didn't build. Well, maybe they built some of that, but like that's the house, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like this feels like the last big movie house we're going to get from dark castle yeah i also love so yeah carly's on this bed and she's holding the bat she's like trying to like get through to vincent who is not You're having not a it freak bo he was using you oh. he was abusing you i was like carly you gotta do a little bit better than that um i mean then, carly you sound desperate girl we get it very, he's coming at you with a big ass knife but, but i do i do love she's just like please don't kill me <laughs> <laughs> that has never worked it doesn't work and it's i i i i, I don't know how to make it just comes across as very funny when she says this and i don't know if it's really i don't think Cuthbert could have done anything to make this mm-hmm. less funny for me, but I just love she's just like last each ever. Please don't kill me. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's relatable. We would probably all do it. Obviously, this is when Nick bursts in and saves her. One thing I completely forgot about is that he Nick ends up on the bottom. He's in trouble. And Carly pulls the knife out of his leg yeah. to stab Vincent. That is some rough shit. And well, not only that, because then is it, I think Nick kicks Vincent off the bed, mm-hmm. who then falls through the floor Love all the it. way to the basement and lands Love smack it. dab on top of Bo. <laughs> <laughs> Which are good if we're going to talk a little bit of campy and a little bit queer, right? It's like, yeah, oh, twin falls on twin. Well, happy, happy birthday. We're reuniting them. They are now conjoined again. Ugh. And then the melted wax pool that's below them just rises up and covers mm-hmm. them. Yeah, encases them. It's, it's very poetic. Mm-hmm. It does feel like we're trying to pay off this whole twinning thing, right? Like Carly and Nick had to finally sort out their issues, come together to survive, but also the conjoined twins end up conjoined once again. Yeah. They're, again, it's like, okay, like we're doing, right. you don't need to do this, you stupid little slasher, but fine. <laughs> like, whatever. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it's fine. It feels like it should have been something bigger, and it might have been if we had have executed this just a little bit better. But at the end of the day, again, I appreciate that they were at least making this effort because they didn't. They could have just done, all right, stupid movie climax, cut, 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 here we go, and then we make our hasty escape. Yeah, I mean, it's what I was saying earlier, right? Like, I admire so many things about the script while also limiting the fact that it's not all executed correctly or properly. Yeah, I mean, that's what I said, and then you repeated it, but yeah. Yep, exactly. Yeah. You rephrased what I said, and I then I repeated it. You know what? You gave me the first draft, I gave you the script polish, and here we are. See, that's what the script should have done. <laughs> yes, where were we? Where were we for the polish? Okay, so the, we're safe from the killers, but the house is still now sinking and very much on fire. So we have to dig through this wax wall because the stairwell has fallen in and we come out right through literally the movie title, House of Wax. And God, it's this. Sh so, yes, they're, they're crawling out of this thing and it's sinking and it looks really mm -hmm. bad. But there is one <laughs> shot of like the tower of the house that like right. starts to fold over. Yeah, it looks so bad. <laughs> I don't, I'm like, just remove that shot, please, from this movie. I don't need it. <laughs> I don't love it. I don't feel as bad about this as I think you do. Like mm -hmm. when they're in the letters and it's sinking, it looks okay. The close it up look does. Terrible. Yeah, the close up looks good. The I do think all of the kind of uh long shots or extreme long shots, you're right. They don't look super great. But by this point, the visual spectacle of seeing this house on fire, I think is mostly really, really good. Yeah. hundred mm, percent. Okay, so we have survived, and now it's the light of day. Police are swarming all over the scene. They basically give us, you know, the post-exposition dump of why they couldn't find this town previously, why they never interfered. They do make a mention of, oh, if that house hadn't burned down, we probably never would have found you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we load the twins up into the ambulance. Nick reveals that he stole the camera again. I don't know why, but sure. Yeah, like, so you want to watch all your friends get murdered? Okay. <laughs> Are you going to sell this? Do you think this is a TMZ thing? I have thing? no idea what the reasoning for this is, um, but they're fine. They're, they're getting wheeled away to wherever. Well, again, how did the cars all get into this town if there was no road into the town? <laughs> uh, maybe they patched over that little creek and... <laughs> sure. Maybe, maybe the wax melted enough all the way over there and made a road for them. Oh my God, stop. <laughs> Ooh, ooh, I did realize the reason why he took the camcorder is because it's his dead lover's camera. So he was like, oh, I want to remember my the no. guy I never got to fuck. Example number four. Holy shit. You're right. You are 100% right. You were ah! <laughs> it's his memento. <laughs> it's a sad memento. Aww. So he's not going to watch it. He's just going to put it on a pedestal for the rest of his life, literally and figuratively. And like all of his future lovers will have to live up to this camera. Yeah, just, what's up with the camera in the shrine over there? <laughs> oh, just, you know, memento of my dead first boyfriend. I'm surprised he didn't grab Dalton's head. <laughs> oh my god. What, he's gonna high-tension fuck it later? <laughs> <laughs> god. Rude. <sighs> anyway, final twist, yes, there's a third brother. It was, uh... Lester. Lester, thank you, yes. Lester the molester roadkill driver. And we out. Also, the Wikipedia summary refers to him as Lester, though he is not credited in the cast list on Wikipedia. So again, take that with a grain of salt. 
where are people coming up with this is this like the friday the 13th wikis where it's like and they were buried in the same in the same plot oh i mean everyone again reminder to use footnotes check your sources but according to the imdb trivia oh no the role of carly alicia cuthbert's role was originally offered to jennifer Connolly, who turned it down to do dark water and then it was offered to kate winslet who then turned it down um says who that is not correct (laughs) (laughs) like or we're just making shit up and putting it on the internet neither of these women are teenagers or at least like 20 somethings to be teenagers (laughs) (laughs) just imagining like what a a 35 year old kate winslet walking (gasps) in being like hey chad michael murray my twin brother Like, is she doing a British accent, too? Here's the thing. Kate Winslet is a class act, but I'm just trying to imagine a world in which someone approached her to be like, hi, would you like to be in House of Wax? Oh, it's like the Amy Adams, like, reply where it's like, mm, no, I'm so sorry. Oh, like, no, so much, I, no, I don't want to do this, but you, you have a good day. <laughs> Can you imagine them saying, we, we just need to do a little audition tape to make sure you're going to be a good fit for the role. Can you say... That guy was such a fucking freak, but say it in a classic Kate Winslet British accent. Oh, but we also need to do a chemistry test with Chad Michael Murray. Can you please come and make out with this brother? <laughs> I'll never leave you. Uh, I want to be by your side. <laughs> I just, so anyway, yes, that is literally a factoid in the IMDb trivia. And y'all, I know there's mm-hmm. no way. There's no fucking no. way. <laughs> IMDb, uh, what you been smoking, girl? Because that's not right. <laughs> but yeah, sequel tease, whatever. Um mm-hmm. It's yeah. fine. Not with that gross. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely not getting that shit. But then, yeah, uh, cut to credits, and we get this My Chemical Romance song, which I have no connection to, but apparently this song was released two months before the movie came out and was Ooh. a huge hit to um, the point where My Chemical Romance is often just like linked with this song specifically. Oh, interesting. Okay. I mean, I like My Chemical Romance, but yeah, I don't have a connection to them. My sister listened to them when I was growing up, so I'm, I've heard their music. I couldn't tell you a single one of their songs, but there you go <sighs> sacrilege i know but yeah that's uh that's house of wax joe final thoughts you know what i like a lot about this movie going through it with a critical eye revealed some uh, inaccuracies a little bit of ineptness i do wish that these characters didn't either get separated or had the opportunity to come back maybe it would just produce a completely different movie but yeah i i miss the carly and page connection because i do think it's the strongest bit of character development either that or go full camp and have this twin cesty brother sister relationship like let's get these people fucking in the hot wax yeah it's actually really interesting uh i i mean joe this movie came out 17 years ago so Uh, that means how dare (laughs) People born the year this movie came out are now um, old enough to see it because they're 17 and they can see an R-rated movie. But um, Also, are you forgetting what year it is? It's 2023 now, right? Oh, oh shit. It's 18 years old. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. It'll be 18 in May. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I... If we ever got a remake of this movie, I would mm-hmm. love to... I feel like we would um, see more of, the, of, a, of a developed female friendship in this film. Right. If we got that, though, I would want them to call it Tourist Trap. Oh, God. Actually, it's a remake of House of Wax. <laughs> um, actually, it's Motel Hill. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean, look, we have spent a lot of this this episode critiquing and poking holes in this movie. But again, at the mm-hmm. end of the day... It's a fun time. It's a fun, it's an 80s slasher that was given an astronomical budget, excellent production mm-hmm. value, a really stylish and visual director. Yeah. 
a lot of the dumb parts of it come with the territory for me. But there are things about it that mm-hmm. I'm like, ooh, like, I wish you would have done this to actually make it better. But a lot right. of the dumb stuff, like A Literal House of Wax, that's not factoring into my critique of this film. Oh, absolutely not. If your problem is that there's a literal House of Wax, this is not a movie for you. You yeah. need to move on. Very much so. So, yeah, big recommend. Four out of five. If you've never seen this... Well, we've spoiled it all for you, but please, <laughs> please go seek this out. It's a really solid film, and I'm happy to see it get a bit reappraised over the past few years. Right, and appropriated now by the queer community because of this alternate reading that we have correctly provided. Spread the word, everyone. We were there first. Yeah, Chad Michael Murray, <laughs> queer icon, uh, gay character in this movie. There you go. Uh, asshole in real life in 2005. Uh, uh before we announce that we're covering next week, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at HorrorQueers. Shoot us an email at HorrorQueers at gmail.com. Find us on Letterboxd to keep track of all the films we've covered. Go to our YouTube channel to check out our interviews with various horror filmmakers, as well as our monthly hangouts where we talk about hot-button issues with some of our peers. And if you want to chat with other listeners, please join our Facebook Horror Queers group. If you have a moment, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That really helps us out. But if you'd like to support us with money, please support the show by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash horrorqueers. We are at the end of January, so hopefully you've listened to our episodes on Scare Package 2, Rad Chad's Revenge, The Pale Blue Eye, Megan, uh, Skinamarink, which actually just dropped the same day this episode drops, and uh, our audio commentary on Cloverfield in honor of its 15th anniversary. All right. And also, we snuck in a secret bonus episode on Kevin Williamson's Sick. Yeah, if you want to hear our thoughts on the very, very last-minute release of Sick, which was, of course, co-written by Kevin Williamson and Caitlin Crabb, uh, please go check that out as well. That's an actual bonus episode we gave our patrons this month. Yeah, folks, we've broken the 225-hour mark on Patreon, so... uh, a lot of shit on there. A lot of shit. I mean, good shit. Like, not bad shit. shit. Good shit, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Joe, what are we talking about next week? All right. So, Trace, we have our respective birthdays in February, so it's a bit of a big deal. And we decided we were going to spend the month doing a theme. So we're going to be talking about weird sex movies for the entire month. So, of course, we had to kick it off because it's closer to my birthday Mm -hmm. with a Canadian film. We're revisiting Cronenberg territory. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about Videodrome for its 40th anniversary. I am. So y'all might know i'm not a big fan of video drum however i've only seen it once and it was not with a critical eye so i'm actually really excited to rewatch this and really give it like a proper watch yeah this isn't my favorite cronenberg film but it is one that i'm eager to do a deep dive with you there's a lot going on here and unfortunately we just have to acknowledge that shitty person james wood is in this movie oh yeah he is the lead but you know what chest vagina so oh and debbie harry queer content right there honestly fucking style icon she's so good in this movie yeah the, that that was my one takeaway from my one time viewing of this film is that i really like debbie harry in it mm-hmm. no it's gonna it's gonna be a good time but uh, all right until then uh we can cross out house of wax indeed and cross out horror queers my dog has one testicle <laughs>